0: You're listening to the Cover 32 Fantasy Football Podcast with Andrew Erickson and one half of the NFL Talking Heads, Jeff Carrier. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh,
1: Welcome back. We are uh, back in the Cover 32 Fantasy Podcast. It is your host, Andrew Erickson. You can follow me on Twitter at AndrewErickson underscore. And I'm always joined by my friend Jeff Carrier of the NFL Talking Heads, the first half of the NFL Talking Heads. Jeff, say hi to the people.
0: Uh, yes i am the first half that is right and andrew it looks like we made it to part two of the episode cover 32 did not kick us off so we must have done pretty good on the first one
1: yeah i think that the first show went pretty well you know we got some good reviews um just from the people that i talked to that listened to it so um obviously I had to bring it back you know you got to give the people what they want
0: give the people what they want
1: Exactly. And I think what the people want is to figure out where to take Ezekiel Elliott. So the news broke last Friday. I remember I was at work and I was wigging out because I was like, oh my God, Ezekiel Elliott just got the suspension. I was trying to like read the tweets. I saw Ian Rapp just, you know, get the direct message sent to my phone. And I was trying to figure out, oh man, like where are we going to take him? I was talking to one of my coworkers who's like plays very limited fantasy football. And I was just like attacking him with questions that I could see him just getting super overwhelmed. Um, so, Jeff ezekiel elliott so he's on the board you know in a standard you know redraft league or ppr what's your plan what's your strategy with ezekiel elliott
0: yeah we talked a little bit about this on on my pod which is uh nfl talking heads you guys can find that everywhere and i think my gut reaction was i'm gonna start looking at him in the third round um if he's gonna lose six games i think the the the, even the bigger question, though, is you know, how long can we wait so we can get more information? Because right now, this has got to be the worst timing. I mean, the NFL delayed this for what seemed like weeks, right? And now we are in the the thick of things when it comes to fantasy drafts. And I'm fortunate to have a couple of my, my big drafts on the absolute last weekend and last couple of days before the season starts. So Ezekiel Elliott puts in his appeal today. I think we have to wait 10 days before a hearing. And then is it after the hearing, then they can take as long as they want before they make a decision. I mean, this has got to be the worst time. Like what if, you know, it is like September 5th and it's nearly the start of the season and and there's an appeal where Ezekiel gets uh, no suspension or doesn't get seen until next year. What if there's a Tom Brady situation and we just don't know and people wait until the third round and they end up getting Zeke for the year or for half the games? There's just, like, there's just so much scenarios that could happen with, within now and the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, it's definitely it's one of those weird risks. You know, we kind of like look at guys like based on risks, based on injury history, um, based on like off the field issues. Um, like, you know, a guy like Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon Bell with, um, you know, off the field issues due to um, substance abuse and things like that. But this is definitely a rare situation because you're like, OK, he's going to you know, he's going to miss some games at some point. You're just not necessarily sure which games you're going to miss. I kind of thought myself, too, is like, you know, maybe, you know, how would your, you know, mindset change if, let's say, you're drafting Gronkowski and, you you know, you you can know before you draft him, right, he's going to miss six games, no matter what. He's going to miss six games. Would you still take him where you would know? I mean, you know, he has that injury history anyway. Like, would you still take him anyway? I mean, me personally, I agree with you. I think third fourth round is kind of where i'm going to target him but i just don't think that he's gonna make it to there i think that someone in the second round i think obviously i think everyone's the consensus is he's definitely going to fall out of the first round but i think that in the second round there's going to be one person in your league that's just going to grab him they're going to see him and they're going to be like no it's too good i just don't see him really falling out of the second round it's just it's hard for me to kind of like wrap my mind around it but like if you're especially like the last pick in the second round and on that like turn i think that you're definitely going to grab a zeke in one of those picks
0: yeah we don't even have a week's w- worth full of data so that's going to be really interesting next friday or saturday to plug into fantasy football calculator and kind of see where the adps are dropping all the way to he's he's already down all the way to 2.03 but we've only got a, a few days of data here um, you know i'll be I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it comes to late second, and you're okay. You know, we're both okay taking them somewhere in the third. If we get lucky, the fourth we probably feel really comfortable. So the third is probably you know a much more realistic standpoint. But that doesn't mean that someone doesn't take him in the second. But I think you also bring up a really good point. So if you're in the third and is Gronkowski there, or if you're in the third and is Keenan Allen there, well, aren't you almost? somewhat to some degree kind of uh, agreeing to draft them, knowing that you might be missing some games, and what's the difference between drafting Ezekiel Elliott in the same semi-similar situation, knowing that he's got, um, you know, the same amount of... or potential same amount of games being missed. Yeah, exactly. It's almost it's almost comforting
1: to know that, you know, he'll miss games. Whereas Gronkowski, Keenan Allen, you might not be as prepared when you draft the rest of your team, but when you draft Ezekiel, you like, you know, you're going to be going after guys like Darren McFadden, like, you're going to make sure you get him on your roster. Guys like Darren McFadden, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, Rob Kelly, guys that, you know, aren't going to put up, you know, those massive Ezekiel Elliott numbers, but numbers that, you know, can get you through, you know, they they can put up, you know, solid you know starting running back numbers yeah they're not going to win weeks for you and yeah you probably aren't going to blow away the competition the first eight weeks of the year without Ezekiel Elliott who may or may not be the best player on your team but I mean you want him for that playoff run that's the whole point I mean if you're planning on trying to go like you know pull a 16 and 0 New England Patriots run in your fantasy season I, I would not recommend drafting Ezekiel Elliott um but um for those that, you know, it doesn't matter just make the playoffs, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott can definitely be that guy that gets you there.
0: Yeah, so I think what, one of the things you need to factor in in terms of drafting Ezekiel Elliott is what kind of league are you in? Are you in a league that you typically make the playoffs a lot or there's 6 out of 10 or 6 out of 12 teams that make the playoffs? And, you know, are you in a high-stakes league? So you're probably going to treat those, different, those types of leagues a little bit different. If it's high-stakes and there's clearly like only four teams making the playoffs – he's going to naturally fall even further. If you're in more of a hometown league, you feel a little bit more comfortable, you might be willing to take him in the late second, knowing that with your other expertise and skill in fantasy football that you should be able to at least slide in the playoffs. And obviously adding Zeke at that spot um, is helpful. And the other factor, of course, as you mentioned, is where do you draft Darren McFadden so Darren McFadden has already gone from the 14th round all the way up to the ninth I think that he's probably going to be a fifth or sixth round player give it another week and a half what do you think uh, where do you think he ends up and where are you okay taking Darren McFadden
1: yeah so I definitely agree I think yeah he's going to go up to at least the fifth round um where I would feel comfortable taking him it's like if you draft Ezekiel, it's not really like where you feel comfortable taking him, it's like you just kinda like you kinda have to take him. Um I mean you can obviously see if you can kinda just take other running backs instead, but it, it almost just makes it easier on you just to take, you know, the the primary handcuff for Ezekiel Elliott. I am a little I am a little worrisome though because, you know, Alfred Morris is still there as well. Um I know McFadden's been he's a big Jerry Jones is a big McFadden fan, you know Going back to their history at Arkansas or whatever, um, but Alfred Morris is still hanging there, and, and I don't know. He just kind of seems like a guy that you know could t- possibly eat into some of McFadden's carries. McFadden also hasn't always been super healthy. I mean, it is whole. He's only going to be playing you know really that main six games, so hopefully you know he can he can you know handle it. McFadden for me, you know, if you had drafted McFadden beforehand. I'm, I'm trying to sell him like I, I had him in a uh, dynasty league where I drafted him in the in a startup dynasty league I drafted him in the 13th 14th round and you bet I reached out right out to that Ezekiel Elliott owner and was like hey uh, you want to
0: make a trade you want to make a deal <laughs> uh, that's smart of you yeah and I I think I agree too because Alfred Morris just just to just to say that Darren McFadden is going to be the 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 sole workhorse like Ezekiel Elliott is is really going out on a limb. I mean, has Darren McFadden really ever accomplished that in his entire career? He's maybe had some spurts, you know, certain game situations, a couple a month in in the year, but he's he's never really been able to put together that full year. And as you mentioned, it is only six weeks. But just to say that they're gonna they hand over the entire job to Darren McFadden with someone that does have um, good ball security, pass protection skills as Alfred Morris, I, I really find that you know more and more hard to believe the more I kind of look into the situation. Um, so it's going to be really tough to to try and justify a fifth, sixth round pick if that's where Darren McFadden ends up. The other thing to to consider here, though, is that there is clearly a, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is out. So if if you do believe in Darren McFadden, it's a different situation than say drafting Derrick Henry and Demarco Murray because those two running backs could be playing at the same exact time when healthy. And eating into each other's production. The difference here with Dallas is at least is that you have the clear cut potential RB one for the first six weeks. And then as soon as Z comes back, then you have another clear cut RB one where they're not eating into each other's production. And let's not forget um, Dallas is on by week six. So, that means Zeke also, I believe, I guess that would also mean he's, what, uh, out on week seven? So, you don't yeah. get him until week eight? Is that correct? I mean, I'm going to confirm that right now, but um, if that's the case, that's something else to really consider.
1: Yeah, he doesn't come back till yeah, you can't start him until week eight, um, and it, it, so it, it complicates the process because, you know, playoffs start week 13. Um, for a lot some leagues, week fourteen is when playoffs start, so he hasn't even put on your team for like five weeks, and then you are already in the playoffs. If if you are in the playoffs, um, so I definitely it's definitely you know it's really important to make sure you know when you are drafting Ezekiel Elliott like that you know what you are doing with the rest of your roster. I'd say like if you are a newer player, like definitely drafting Ezekiel Elliott might just it might be tough to try to you know manage that team. But like if you are a fantasy owner that's like wants a challenge, I, I get go ahead and draft Ezekiel Elliott because. It'll, you know, it's a challenge to your roster that if you believe in yourself as an owner and you can make those smart, you know, start and sit decisions and you'll be able to, you know, succeed. And another thing too, with Elliot, um, it also to kind of depends on your league is, uh, bench spots. Um, how many bench spots does your league have? Um, because if Ezekiel Elliott's going to be on your team, he's just going to be, he's going to need to be a six or an eight week roster spot. That's basically useless. Um he's not going to be able to do anything. he's just kind of sit there and take up space um so if you play in a league where you know the rock, the the bench is really small, it might not be a great decision to take Ezekiel because you then you're kind of handcuffing yourself um you don't really have any m- many options to go to
0: um so what are your that's a great point i mean that yeah. that's a that's another great point. I think the more we talk about this and break down the situation, the more that I'm even less inclined to take him in the third round just because like yeah, you can give yourself a challenge, but why make it harder on yourself? And then you have to hold on to them through seven weeks. You can't start to week eight. You know, playoffs playoffs start week fourteen. You're almost guaranteeing yourself to not have a first round bye. So you you put yourself out of that contention. Um, and then if your team obviously has any type of other bonus payouts in terms of high scoring, and then above them all, I've got. You know, fairly shallow rosters on top of deep teams. You know, six-man rosters with a very deep roster. So now I've got to roster him, and I'm always having trouble finding roster spots. And you have to hold on to him for the entire year. If you also have Darren McFadden, it's like clogging up two roster spots for one single position. And then when their bye weeks comes up on top of it, they'll both be sitting on your bench. The more I think about it, the more the more difficult it seems to to be. Uh, to manage this six-week suspension with Ezekiel Elliott, but again, I think one of the other X factors is is his whole appeal situation. You know, is it going to get reduced? Is it going to get uh, pushed off until next year? I don't even know if that's a possibility. I'm just throwing that out there because of Tom Brady's situation. Um, it's come at a very, um, un- you know, unfortunate time, I guess, in terms of us fantasy owners and players.
1: Yeah, exactly, because you don't know. He could miss games somewhere in the middle of the season. Um, It reminds me of uh, last year with Lane Johnson uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles. So he started the season, you know, he was playing, and then he got suspended in the middle of the season because Uh. his suspension got pushed back, um, and then he came back. Um, So it is complicated. And then just kind of thinking about it too, you know, you mentioned the eight weeks. You know, eight weeks is like a pretty long time. Um, And this is going to be going Ezekiel eight, eight weeks without any game action. Like he can, you know, practice or whatever, like away from the facility, Um, but he's not going to be doing any real hitting. He's not going to be doing any live action. I'm not so sure that he's, you know, you insert him in week eight and you expect, all right, now he's going to rush for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Now that I I think more about it and I'm like, I'm not so sure that's just going to happen right away. You know, he'll have preseason work now, but then he's going to go eight weeks without any live game action um and depending on where the cowboys are are at like standing wise like if they're doing well you know maybe they're not going to rush zeke back right away to like they're going to get him up to speed but then if the cowboys are two and six or maybe what if the cowboys are in a lost season you know what if they did what if they start out terribly and they're like well we're not going to waste zeke on a a lost season so it, it really depends on like a lot of different factors like on the cowboys team itself um and we, yeah, there's no guarantee that, you know, he yes, he's an excellent player, but he's going to be missing a lot of time. So I'm not even so sure that he'll come back and just kind of be the same guy right away off the bat.
0: Yeah, that's another great point. You know, a lot of time off, you know, can they just throw him right in? Is he going to be Zeke again? Who knows?
1: Yeah, the more we talk about it, like the, the less inclined, I feel like I'm going to be <laughs> drafting him, like kind of just like talking about my thoughts on him. and I'm just like i think that's just i think i'm gonna let someone else take him i think it's yeah. not worth my time and that's the thing i'm trying to move Darren mcfadden i'm like i have him you want him because i just like i'm i think i can get something good for him back too so that's why i am I mean his stock is super high now so i mean i would recommend if you have Darren mcfadden and, and you have a, a ezekiel ezekiel elliot owner who's who's just looking for answers just just go to him with a, a trade offer and be like hey be my I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, the, so that was the first big news of the weekend. Um. Or on on Friday. Um. So the other news was the Bills. You know, wheeling and dealing like they're at a casino, um, playing blackjack. Um. So essentially, you know, the Bills made some trades. So they acquired uh, wide receiver Jordan Matthews from the Philadelphia Eagles, and they traded away Sammy Watkins to the Saint or uh, St. Louis Rams, Los Angeles Rams. Excuse me. Um, so, your thoughts on those trades? You know, Matthews and, and Watkins. Are they are they up in your rankings? Are they down? Have these moves? Where do you? Where, how, what have these moves affected them? How have they affected them?
0: Well, I think um, too, with Matthews. He got injured in his first practice yep. in Buffalo. Yeah. So, you know, typical Buffalo. When they go to the casino, <laughs> they roll the dice and they lose. <laughs> yeah. So they they think they could just bring in Jordan Matthews to help. Semi filled in that role that they lose with Sammy Watkins, which I found a little interesting because a lot of people have taught this all offseason, including us, that you know Jordan Matthews is going to is going to slide into the slot out in Philadelphia with the two two Tory Smith and Alshon Jeffrey playing on the outside, which should help him. He's he's a slot player. Yet, Buffalo just signed Anquan Bolden, who clearly, for Detroit last year, played in the slot. He's not as fast as he used to be, and he, he manages a lot better in the slot. So now they have, I guess, what projects out to be two slot receivers in Buffalo. But Jordan Matthews had a fracture in his sternum, so it, he's, he was already considered week-to-week after his first practice. So I think he's probably undraftable right now. And Buffalo was dead last in, in passing attempts last year. I know they had a different coach. Um, but, you know, obviously the offense is going to run through LaShawn McCoy even more so. Uh, and Sammy Watkins, you know, uh, I was already a little low on him because of his situation in Buffalo and his health reasons. I just didn't feel comfortable taking him where he was going in the drafts, considering how many more. Surefire things were going around him in his draft position. So I'll be really curious to see what this does do to his actual draft position. But obviously, LA is not any place that you're <laughs> going to be extremely happy about. Um, they do bring in a different head coach besides Jeff Fisher, which I think everyone in, is excited to see what that change could look like with Sean McVay in the new offense. Um, but you know, unless unless Sammy Watkins goes all the way down to like somewhere in the middle of the fifth, I'm probably still staying away. Maybe even in that spot, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm really. I hope that his his ADP tanks, because that that way I'll take him. I'll take him on a team um, where his ADP is a lot lower. I didn't like him at his ADP that it was already. Um, but I mean, if he ends up still being, you know, a number one on a team, I mean, I just kind of think back to Kenny Britt last year. I mean, he was still a guy that was useful in fantasy leagues. So if Watkins could replicate that type of production for like that Kenny Britt had, you know, at the fifth round or a sixth round pick, like I'd be fine with taking Watkins and then in the chance that, you know, because from a talent aspect, I mean, Watkins is much more talented than Kenny Britt is. I mean, but so if Watkins, you know, Watkins has that upside of, That potential, like, you know, if if he can just get it together, he can make it click, and not even necessarily with golf, but, you know, it's weird, you know, if you look at his, watch his Clemson highlights, It's a lot of it's his catch and run, like, he just, he'll take slants to the house, and it's just, that hasn't really been in the NFL, it's always been like he just kind of caught passes deep. Uh, they, I feel like they just need to get him more of the ball. I mean, it was weird because in the Buffalo like preseason game, they were throwing him like quick passes, and we were getting excited. We were like, oh, "Okay, this is looking good. Like they're gonna get him the ball this year." And then, go behold, he's he's not
0: on the team anymore. He gets traded. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that was like a little show and tell for them there in the first preseason game using up Sammy Watkins. They obviously had, they obviously knew what they were doing. It looks like Sammy Watkins just in a few days of data has fallen down to the end of the fourth round right now already in a 12-man PPR league at 4.11 right next to Jarvis Landry side by side. So both of those people have, have fallen there. Uh, so I, I do think you bring up a good point. You know, Obviously with the talent alone, it's almost like he went to a potentially better passing offense and his stock took a hit. So yeah. it's it's you know for someone who's not exactly the biggest Sammy Watkins fan, I I could definitely see this making him a lot more valuable for everyone who actually does like Sammy Watkins.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, if you're a Sammy Watkins believer, I think that you like this move um because like you said, yeah, Tyrod had a had a great deep arm, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's not a passing offense at all whereas the Rams, you know, they have a quarterback. They need to see what he can do. They got to let him throw the ball. He's going to throw the ball at least a little bit more than the Bills will. The Bills are just going to run the ball. I mean, that's why they signed a bunch of slot receivers because they're just going to line up tight and just run just like pitches and 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 eye formations. And that's they don't even have any outside wide receivers because they're just like, yeah, we're not going to throw the ball like more than ten yards down the field unless Charles Clay, you know, he, he could break out. Who knows? I mean, he's the only the only returning player from the offense basically um like from the, like a receiver position um but yeah i think sammy Watkins, if you get him at the right price which i think he may end up having now now because of the drop i think he's definitely someone that i think i'm going to definitely be targeting based on where he's
0: in the uh, draft yeah and just and just let's just talk about this offense if i named all these players i mean these aren't these aren't exactly like you know extremely great players but in terms of what buffalo had which was a really old anquan Bolden in the slot and a rookie zay jones on the other side of sammy watkins you know they've got robert woods on the other side which i think is a little bit of an upgrade to take the coverage off of sammy they've got the rookie cooper cup and table in austin you know as the third and fourth wide receiver And they have two really good young tight ends um, and someone that not a lot of people know about that you guys should be looking at in your dynasty drafts for sure is Gerald Everett. They drafted him in the early second round. Uh, He's going to be kind of like the move piece of Jordan Reed out in LA that Sean McVay had with Jordan Reed. So Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee. And then of course Todd Gurley. So yeah, there's just a lot of pieces there. If, if Jared Goff can just get it somewhat together You know there's some upside there Uh, i'm not too sure you know i'm going to treat this situation as one of those you know prove it to me before i buy in but there's at least there's at least a lot more talent there this year than there was last year
1: yeah for sure i definitely agree with that you know yeah it's definitely an upgrade sammy Watkins is an upgrade from kenny Britt, um and robert woods i think is an upgrade from brian quick uh, a year ago as well um But, yeah, we'll see if they can put it together. And and hopefully, you know, Watkins is healthy. That's the biggest thing, too. Um, He's had the foot surgery, the second foot surgery. So we've seen it before with some of these other players, with Dez, Julian Edelman. Um, They've come back. The second surgeries have, you know, worked well. So I just want to see Watkins healthy, to be totally honest. Like, he, I mean, he's such a great player in college. It would just be nice to, you know, see him put a full, you know, campaign together, you know, just kind of see what he can do. I mean, we see guys like Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, uh kelvin benjamin all guys that were taken after sammy watkins and you know that if any of those teams had been on the board at that time and sammy watkins was there they would have taken him over any of those guys um so i just i I really like just to see him try to put it all together and and just have have a a healthy season
0: i agree Uh, that'd be that'd be a great step in the right direction for sammy watkins playing 16 games
1: yep (laughs) we can only dream though <laughs> we can only dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so we will get into the, the segment now so last week we talked about nfc running backs um kind of some of those training camp battles so this week we're going to go back into that um but focus on the other half of the league the afc running backs so we'll start in the afc east with the new york jets um the dumpster fire new york jets um possibly you know on the, the looms of a uh, zero and 16 season one and 15 i'm not sure but uh so the running backs we got Bilal powell um uh, matt forte and then elijah isn't elijah mcguire or is it elijah is that what this, the running back's name is uh yep elijah, elijah mcguire yep. Maguire, mm-hmm. yeah 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 i remember reading somewhere he was getting first team reps um, I'm not sure how much that means. Uh, what are your takes away from the, I mean, I personally like Bilal Powell a lot, especially in PPR leagues. Um, he's actually going. Let's see. So I pulled out these PPR stats because I know Jeff is a big PPR guy. So... When I'm do, sorry. I'm, when we do ADPs, I'm sorry. <laughs> when we do ADPs, it'll be strictly PPR until you know I get requests. We got to do standard, but we know that PPR <laughs> is the new the new norm. So you let's know, hope people, I don't
0: get booed off stage here,
1: <laughs> people. You got to get with it. It's you know PPR is is the new standard. Um, so right now we have Bilal Powell going at five twelve, Matt Forte at eleven oh five, and then McGuire is obviously going undrafted. Um, so, at those rankings, you know, Bilal Powell at 512, is it, are you, will you take him there? Are you targeting him there?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't love the situation, but depending on what kind of team I have, if I'm a little bit top heavy on wide receiver and I have maybe a risky early round running back or previous to that, you know, at least I think what Bilal Powell brings, especially in a PPR league, is a high floor. And I like to try and get one of these types of running backs on my team just because I know I want to get out of them. And running backs are the, – the situation changes year to year faster than any other position. So the one thing I don't want to have happen is try and go for two boomer bust running backs, and now I'm trying to replace two running backs because that can be very difficult in the middle of the season. So if I do get someone like a Bly Powell or Danny Woodhead or something, you know, Theo Riddick, those types of players, I feel pretty conf- confident, barring injury, that they'll at least be one of my two starters that I need at the running back position. And where he's going at the back-back end of the fifth round, I'm okay with it. And, you know, I think Matt Forte, as, as unappealing and unsexy of a pick that is— you know, he's still listed number one in the running back. Is he probably going to get the goal line carries? Probably. You'd have to admit that in the 11th round, it's he might even have some value, I suppose, too.
1: But will the Jets ever be on the goal line? That is the real question.
0: They won't, actually. <laughs> I mean, they've already they've already actually made a press release and let everyone know that they will not be anywhere near the opponent's goal line situation. So that's a great point, you know, so but they're you know Blip Powell probably a lock uh for like 60 receptions and I'll be curious to see how well Matt Forte's used out of the backfield considering how efficient Blip Powell is.
1: Yeah, I mean to be totally honest, I could definitely see Matt Forte pulling a uh, an Aaron Foster this year and kind of, you know, going out and you know playing being the starter or whatever and then kind of come week 4 just being like, yeah, I'm I'm done with this. I'm I'm retiring. Like, <laughs> like I mean, you can only take so much pain playing uh playing on the Jets. Especially for a guy like that, you know, he's been in the league so long. He's had so many good years. I just, oh man, it's tough to it's, it's just tough to see a player like that just kind of end up on a team like the Jets. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's I definitely agree. Yeah, he's definitely interesting at, at 11. I'm not targeting him. I mean, for me, it's just this team is so like. It's just the points are just going to be so scarce that, like, it's it's going to be hard for it to really support a lot of, like, life into a fantasy player. I mean, for me, it's either going to be Bilal Powell or, or possibly Robbie Anderson um, or could switch between the two. But, like, of Jets players, I mean, the last thing you want is, yeah, like, I loaded my team up on
0: Jets players for the fantasy league. It's probably – it's the last thing you definitely want to do. Um yeah, not exactly a good strategy. And of course, too, with the eleventh round, with with Matt Forte, it, it, your team is probably set by that point, and you're you're probably looking for a lot more upside players than anything else. And of course, Matt Forte just doesn't have much upside, so that's the other factor too with him being there. Like, yeah, he might present you know some decent return as a flex player, but. You know, in the eleventh round, is it smarter or make more you know, better investment to get someone who's a little bit higher upside, like a you know whoever's going in the eleventh round? That's like a rookie or second, third year player. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: you know, you're going to get it on Matt Forte, um, and it's it's not much. It's just it's it's boring, and, and you kind of want to you know pick a yeah go with a high upside younger player, um, someone that even can have a boomer bus game. Um, But with Forte, it's like, I don't know how many like bust or uh, boom games the Jets are going to really have. Um, But yeah, so and then we'll move on to the other AFC East team that we're going to talk about. So the New England Patriots. Um, So their running back backfield is always fun to try to figure out what's going on. Bill Belichick loves to hate our fantasy teams um, because he puts out a plethora of running backs. He signs every running back if he can. Um, so we've got Mike Gillisley, uh, Rex Burkhead, James White, Dion Lewis, um, and just looking at the ADP. So Mike Gillisley has flown up ADPs. I remember when he was going back, like, you know, getting the 10th round and he was like, Oh, this is a nice pick. And now he's going in fifth. Um, he's at five Oh six right now in PBR leagues. I've seen him go also in the fourth round, um, quite frequently. And that's just cause everyone's kind of assuming he's just going to kind of take over that LeGarrette blunt role and then we have James White going at 1010 in PPR uh Rex Burkhead is at 1308 and then Deion Lewis 1307 so those those last two guys are going right next to each other. So uh Jeff, so initial thoughts with Gilesy in particular I'd like to hear.
0: Yeah, so as you mentioned, we we've, we've been on him uh the NFL Talking Heads for quite some time now. And I remember when Mike um Mike Reese from ESPN Boston put out a report and I tweeted back to him to stop pumping up Mike (laughs) Gillespie for me. And he actually responded back like everyone for like this four week stretch was just pumping up, pumping him up. But now he's in the early fifth. So I, I don't mind him there. But you know, it's not it's not like a lovable situation just because it's still there's still an uncertainty, as you mentioned with Bill Belichick. And I think part of the uncertainty is is that Bill's just going to use who he needs to use depending on the situation. And it's like and that could be anyone considering the type of running backs that he has. He's got Dion Lewis that can go on the inside on an inside handoff draw or go out of the backfield no problem james white's probably got the most secure role as a third down back but he's not going to be getting the carries at all and then you've got rex burkhead that again he can kind of do both too is he he can most certainly run um from behind the eye formation or between the tackles or he's pretty good out in space as well catching the ball and so I think with the thing with Mike Gilleslie that you have to understand is if you're going to get Mike Gillsley, and I'm totally okay with this, is you have to handcuff him. Um, and just because you don't know where the points are coming from New England. We could get into week one, and then all of a sudden Rex Burkhead is the primary guy, or maybe the goal line guy, I don't know. It, the point, though, is, is you don't have to invest a lot to handcuff him. And New England's got a tremendous offense and a tremendous uh, rushing offense. So do not underestimate the rushing offense. So I'm in favor of getting Gillisley and Burkhead or Gilleslie and White in another one or getting White and Burkhead or something along those lines just because, you know, even if you miss out on Gillisley, why not go grab one of these other running backs? Who's to say that they're not going to be more of a featured back? And lastly – One thing that I'm paying a lot of attention to this preseason, I'm watching most of the games. I've got NFL game pass, so I am burning the midnight oil. And I want to make sure people are hitting the field. I mean, like, I am not investing in people if they are not touching the field. Gilsey's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury right now. It's fine he didn't play week one, not a huge deal. It almost seemed like the Patriots ran Deion Lewis a lot just to maybe throw him out there as a trade bait or make sure he's worthy of staying on the roster. But... Um, Make sure Gillis Lee hits the field sometime this preseason before you buy that draft spot.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that, you know, kind of going with the handcuffs. Um, But it does kind of get you confusing, though, because, like, there are so many running backs. It's like, I mean, I don't know if any. you don't really want to draft. All four of them. I mean, that's just taking up tons of roster spots because then it's like you have almost like three roster spots on your team that you like can't use because they're all like handcuffed. So, that, so it does become complicated. But I definitely think that you know, trying to go for one of them at least, um, just to try to you know cut your losses and and just try to prepare for the best. Um, but the thing with Gilsey is like I was looking over like some of the numbers. You know, I was looking at LeGarrette Blunt's numbers, um, in pacif- in specific, and and so the reason LeGarrette Blunt was so good last year, you know, aside from having almost 300 carries Um, he had 299 carries which was by far the most he's ever had in a season I looked at his other seasons with New England he never had more than 200 carries in a season Um, and not to say he didn't I mean his 2015 campaign wasn't bad I mean he had pretty decent years you know not like he had last year but there's so many factors that are different than last year you know for example last year Brady missed four games where they were really run heavy. Um, there was that one game, um, the Thursday night game, where uh, Jacoby Brissett had to start for the Patriots, and they basically ran the ball every single time because he had like a, a busted thumb or something like that. Um, so the offenses, yes, they do run a lot, but they're not going to run as much as they were, ran last year. That's just a fact based on the fact that you know, Brady's going to be playing all four. Um, he's going to be playing all 16 games. Um, and then going to the fact that Blount scored 18 touchdowns. Like, that's not going to happen again. Like, with Gilleslie, it's just not. Um, it's just, like, you got a temporary expectation. So, even, like, getting him in the fifth round, yeah, it's good. But, like, I just think that he's just – he's expected to just do so well. And I think team, team just kind of, like – they're not looking at the numbers. I mean, like, look, there's a chance, like, Mike Gilsey doesn't have 200 carries. Like, that's a real, realistic fact. Like, he might not have 200 carries. Are, you want to invest in – Fourth round, fifth round pick in a running back that's not that less than two hundred carries. That has touchdown upside, yeah. But like if he scores ten touchdowns, that's almost less than half of the the ones that Blunt scored last year. So looking at Blunt's like overall scoring last year, which I think he's like scored as like the running back seven. I mean, there's definitely a chance like Blissy finishes as like a low R B two. So I just think you gotta keep that in mind when you, when you draft him. Like don't expect him to necessarily win you weeks and i mean he, he could have some good good weeks but i think that you know you have to kind of draft him with what he is and like what he can actually be and not like really like fall in love with what happened last year with blood
0: yeah i think it's it's actually was uh, kind of funny that you mentioned you know you're gonna draft someone in the fourth or fifth round that's not gonna get 200 carries Because all all I want to do is say, well, you know, isn't that what everyone's been doing with Carlos Hyde every single year? I mean, mean, the guy always, like, projects for so many carries, he has never had it and barely gets it. Um, So I think that's a good point. And, I mean, you're right. Like, I've been coming a lot more over the conclusion that, you know, it's going to be... Not necessarily the two hundred and fifty, you know, carry mark for Mike Gillesley likely this year. And we have to remember with like Garrett Blunt last year, when they went into to start the season, one, they didn't have Tom Brady for the first four weeks. Now I think they're still going to be a running team because Brady is forty and they still have to make sure that they run. Um and they just they started their drives on average up seven point two points. Per game, so they have as good of a defense as they had last year, as good of an offense. It seems like so they're probably going to be in a similar situation in that sense. But they also didn't have Deion Lewis, who was out for like what ten games, yeah, that's right, yeah. and they didn't and they didn't have anyone else. So they literally didn't have anyone else. So this year. Um, they could have got like Garrett Blunt back for cheap. They didn't do it. They went out and spent on Rex Burkhead and Mike Gilsley and Deion Lewis. Is healthy at the beginning of the year. So there's a lot more competition. Where they just, there's just, it just a perfect scenario for like Garrett Blunt last year. He just probably got more lucky than anything else. And in terms of um, my handcuffing and kind of you know grabbing a couple of these late round Patriot running backs, I think my my idea or strategy potentially is, and you know who knows how many of these will actually execute, but Deion lewis rex burkhead to me is kind of like a one week grab and go like if i'm drafting them in the 13th round yeah as you mentioned they're going to take up some roster spots but they're not the the type of players that i intend to keep on my roster they are purely i want to see the situation when it comes to real time uh regular season games are they being utilized at all because um, if they're not, then I can just go ahead and drop them, you know, without obviously an injury. There's players going above them, in front of them, for example, like a Jonathan Williams. He's purely a handcuff behind LaShawn McCoy. Shane Vereen, he's purely third down. Um, um, I mean Shane Vereen, he is purely third down on the Giants. Joe Williams out in San Francisco, uh, that is a complete wild card. And then you have other players like John Ross in front of them, Zay Jones in Buffalo. Um, Kevin White. So I think some of the players that are going above them are type of people that you might need to hold on to for several weeks to see if they actually come to fruition. Where at least with the Deion Lewis Rex Burkhead approach, um, you can pump them and dump them if if they clearly aren't being utilized. Where the upside is, like oh wait, all of a sudden Rex Burkhead's the guy. And now I can fully u- utilize him. I mean, it sounds crazy to say because Rex Burkhead's going the 13th round, and none of us think that's going to happen. But it is New England, and I'm just throwing it out there, I suppose.
1: No, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, it, like I don't want to say it wouldn't surprise me if like Rex Burkhead's the first like Patriots to score a touchdown like on Thursday night. Like, it just like Twitter will <laughs> yeah. just like explode. Um, with Mike right? Gilles- Mike Gillis- the owners will just lose their minds and just be like. Oh my god! It was Rex Burkhead the whole time. Like it's just like it's such a like a psych Belichick move. It's like Rex Burkhead has like three rushing touchdowns like opening night or something crazy. It's like oh well, I guess everybody was wrong all off season.
0: <laughs> um, but they uh, have more running backs than I can remember in recent history. So crazy. Uh, while they while they do use their running backs very situationally in the past, I do feel like there's always kind of like that quote unquote more of the early down, lead back, and goal line person. So, um, like Eric blunt has been there for quite some time now. He's kind of held that role down for a little bit when they had Ben Jarvis, Green, Alice, you know, uh, Stephen Ridley for those couple of years. You know, I'd be really curious to see. I really still feel like one of these people will emerge as the kind of go-to back, and the other ones will be situationally, barring that they're all healthy.
1: Yeah. I do, yeah, there's always a Patriots running back that is like the TD guy. Like he'll have what? Like if he was like 10 yards rushing. He'll have like two touchdowns. Um, and yeah, it, it makes sense. Like on paper, you know, you look at the roster, you look at Mike Gillislee. Like it makes sense that he would be the guy. But it's Bill Belichick, and that the and exactly the things that make sense. He just doesn't do. He'll just he'll just do the opposite. <laughs> He's BB. <laughs> He's BB, and he hates our uh, he hates our fantasy teams. It's just like, I, I, I just love a reporter to ask him about a fantasy question and he would just be like, what? What's fantasy football? Like he'll just, he'll just, he'll just play dumb.
0: And just, I, I think you know. if I ever, if I ever meet Bill Belichick, <laughs> I, that's going to be my first question is just a fantasy football question. I'll so
1: just be like, what? Like uh, flex I, position. Yeah.
0: What? Yeah. Are you okay putting Mike Gillis in your flex? Is that Okay. Like, See what his response would be. He's like,
1: yeah, like you got to check my, uh, my Snap Face profile, um, and you'll get all your updates there. <laughs> all right, um, so we'll move off the, the Patriots and to our uh, next team, so the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so the running back room has cleared up a little bit. Um, Kenneth Dixon is no longer a part of the association because he's on injury reserve now. Um, so it's really between you know, Terrence West and Danny Woodhead. I know Buck Allen has also been thrown out there a little bit i'm not really buying it um i think that it's it's weird like danny woodhead i just like he's just like you just see danny woodhead and like the words ppr just like automatically jump in my mind it's like oh my god danny woodhead ppr and then like you look at his like ranking and he's going in the fourth round it's just like crazy because it's just like it's like that like everyone knows danny woodhead is, is just amazing in ppr he's just like that amazing running back in ppr that like it, 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 like I think he's probably like if you look at all like, the running backs he probably
0: has the largest jump from standard to a PPR league yeah, he's right up there with someone like a James White. They're specifically used on third down. Um, the Ravens like to throw it to their running backs. Obviously, I mean, you think Joe Flacco is going to throw it to the outside to his receivers on a timing route? I don't think so. <laughs> That's not happening, guys. <laughs> so what's kind of funny is the Baltimore Ravens depth chart has Lorenzo Talafaro as the number one running back. Terrence West is number two. No idea what. No idea what's going on here. The the thing that we do know is that Danny Woodhead is locked and loaded as the third down back. Uh, we saw how much even usage at Kyle Buschek got last year, um, being on third down. So Danny Woodhead is going to be a lot better. You bring up a good point. Everyone who's had Danny Woodhead and had those magical seasons, those last couple years, it's, it's been like every other. You know, out in San Diego with Philip Rivers, they got him for like a dollar. You know, I, I was fortunate yeah. enough to be one of those years. You get him for a dollar, and it's it's you you ride this magical wave all the way to the end of the season. It's beautiful. <laughs> And now it's like, man, I need to pay up for Danny Woodhead. Yeah. Like, I don't want to pay up for him. I mean, I know he's good and all. I know that he could finish as an RB one in PPR, but man, he's expensive. So I, I don't know. Um, I I think it's almost like one of those situations where the price is almost. It, it, I could call it justified because of his track record playing sixteen games in a PPR. But let's be serious. He's not in the same offense as a the San Diego led. Philip Rivers and and his price tag is pretty high. I think I would have to wait until the 5th round and get some type of value on Danny. What had to feel pretty good about it. But again, in the PPR, he is a type of running back that I'd like to get one of just because I know the floor is going to be there on week in and week out consistency. Yeah, I I think for me, I think the price is is too
1: high. Um, I mean, I like that, you know, obviously he is a PPR machine, um, but he is coming off, you know, another season-ending injury. Um, And I'm not really sure how effective the the Ravens' offense is going to be. So in terms of, you know, like touchdowns, Specifically, I'm not sure if he's going to have those I mean, like playing with Phillip Rivers, you know, a little more high-powered offense um, was obviously helpful for him um, two years ago in San Diego, um, and the fact that Melvin Gordon was allergic to the end zone. Um, but uh, I don't know if I like him at, at that high of a price. Like, yeah, like you said, like it is justified, and like that's where he is in a PPR league. But I guess I just like kind of like what we talked about in our last podcast, I, I always try to, you know, draft based on value, and I just feel like, yes it's the price fits but it's not a valued buy like i'm getting exactly i'm not getting a great deal i'm not getting a ripped off but it's just kind of like all right this is the price and this is what you're getting so i think i kind of want to probably look for someone else and then looking at a guy like terrence west i mean it seems like he's going to be the guy that's going to get the first second down carries he's going to be on the field he's probably going to get goal line looks as well um and he's going in the eighth round so another guy you can kind of plug and play as a late running back kind of go along with like the guys like McFadden and um or uh, like Jaquiz Rogers and Rob Kelly I think Terrence Wentz is kind of like in that position if you go like wide receiver wide receiver like early on heavy like he's a running back and grab that has it's a starter essentially
0: yeah and I think I think the I agree with Terrence West, I think he presents a little bit of value. I think he should be the first and second down back. He held it for most of what last year. So, um, Ken Dixon going down definitely help clear you know that role up a, a bit. Um, and I think the Danny Woodhead situation. Just to kind of give a little you know a little pro tip here, um, when you're in the middle of the draft and you're drafting like in the second or third round, what happens when you start getting to the fourth and the fifth? You start getting a lot more positional base, right? Because you've already got two, three four players on your team so i was in a couple drafts late july where i got into a situation where i was drafting wide receivers early i could start you know three four of them so i'm like okay bpa bpa best player available i'm gonna go early wide receiver and i felt a little more comfortable with these these second round wide receivers but what ended up happening was my second round pick started affecting my fourth round pick now, Michael Crabtree, Devonte Adams, going right in front of Danny Woodhead. I would much rather have, but if I've already selected three wide receivers, it's going to be a lot harder to grab them in the fourth round. So maybe you, somewhat, if you if you really like someone as as much as we like, uh, Michael Crabtree maybe you grab someone in the the second or Lamar Miller in the third, knowing that your target is to get Michael Crabtree in the fourth instead of having to bite the bullet on Danny Woodhead in the fourth. So yeah. kind of like, I guess, forecasting your picks when you're in the draft. And when you know your ADPs and when you've done a lot of mocks, that's something that you can plan on.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why we mock. That's why we do it. You know, doing all that practice is, is super helpful. You know, that's what you can kind of figure out, you know because it's almost like you're playing chess, you know, you got to kind of think about what your opponents are going to do next, especially like in live drafts where you can kind of see like kind of what everyone's doing, um, which is actually a lot more, like it's pretty cool. Like doing it that way as opposed to like doing an online draft, like doing a real, like a real draft in real life, kind of like looking, you can kind of see like who people are looking at. Um, and you can you kind of can pick up on their tendencies themselves like okay this guy's gone rb twice like is he or this guy's gone receiver twice is he going zero rb and like you can kind of make more decisions that way so but yeah like like you said reiterating you know that's why we mock you know you want to practice your strategy and 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 that's another thing we kind of can talk about with ezekiel elliott as well like you know practice mocking with him and see how your roster turns out. Um, and if you like a certain rosters then then go ahead and draft him. But if you find that every time you draft him your team is just like, "Oh my god, like I'm screwed the first 8 weeks," then it's it, it probably like you probably shouldn't draft him.
0: Yeah, and I think you bring up uh, something that I'm going to start using now, Andrew. Um, it's kind of like playing chess, trying to stay ahead of your competitors. So from now on, when I just walk up to the man cave and I start doing some mocks, I'm just going to start telling my wife, I'm going to play chess. Okay, <laughs> I am playing chess. I am a very smart person, and I'm going to go practice more chess.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you're just like, look, I'm just trying you know, to get the, get the chess pieces in the right places. I, I don't want to have a stalemate tonight. I want to get a checkmate. It's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal, baby. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so that's the Ravens, and then we can move to the uh, the other AFC team in that division, the Bengals. So the Bengals have the big three-headed monster, or maybe one head's a monster, and the other two are just kind of like lesser heads that are just inferior. Um, so we got Joe Mixon going at the 404 um, who looked really good in his preseason game. He had a, some, he had that one catch where he like juked out three guys. So it was just good to kind of see him live on, on the field. Um, and then Jeremy Hill, you know, a popular fantasy football player that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Giovanni Bernard, who's kind of like the forgotten guy that people are just like, wait, is he like, cause he's healthy now. Like a lot of people are, I'm not sure I think, know that like, he's like, he's good. Like he's, he's been practicing, um, I believe in full. Um, but he's, yeah, he's still there as well. So, Jeff, so you have this – are the Bengals running back? So a guy Mixon, like, are you comfortable drafting him in the fourth round knowing that Hill and Bernard are still probably going to be in the picture?
0: Joe Mixon is one of those players that I want to have on my team. I just don't know how to get him. Like, I don't know how to, like, convince myself to do it. And the reason why I want him on my team is because I really like him. And I liked him coming out of college. And I like the landing spot. And, you know, I did two drafts so far, didn't even come close to getting him. But it, it, if you look at his ADP chart over the last month, it, it really fluctuates a lot more than almost any other person. I almost feel like every single time this one piece of news either goes down a little bit, you know, there was that report, hey, Gio Bernard is healthy, he's catching balls out of, he looks like the old Gio Bernard. Stock price going down for Joe Mixon. Oh, all of a sudden... <laughs> All of a sudden, we got a video here. We got a video of him juking out three players in preseason. Boom! Now, last week, his stock <laughs> price is going back up, and it's early, early fourth too. Man, like I, I want to get, I want at least one share of him. I do know that. So I'm I, for for Joe Mixon. Anytime anyone asks me about him, I say, you know what? His his price is really rich for me. I'm not going to sway anyone because if you believe like I do in the long run, like he's just going gonna to take over the role, then you just got to do what you're going to do. I always play a little more conservative, so I might not end up with him. Um, Jeremy Hill last year, um, not so fun fact, is that he was in top five for red zone rushing attempts. Okay, Cincinnati, that's, that, they need to work on that. So hopefully Joe, hopefully Joe Mixon gets a piece of that. And Gio is going so late in his PPR Abilities like who's to say that Joe Mixon is going to just come in and all of a sudden be the pass protector, right? That's always an under, underrated spot that we kind of quickly overlook with rookies. We just think that they can come in and catch the ball. Well, you also have to pass protect on third down if you want to be the the third down receiver. So I like Gio Bernard. I, I like where he's going. Take you know he's going to be another one of those late late round flyers. You can't take them all. It's either a New England guy or this guy or you know, the Green Bay guy or, or, you know, maybe it's Geo. But I think he, he should be up there because like New England, though, in which Geo's already been already on the practice field, like New England, you might be able to see exactly what Geo's role is as of week one. That's the kind of nice part I like about it because he's a veteran. So he should be able to have an established role week one. If he doesn't, then you could you could probably feel pretty safe about dropping him.
1: Yeah, I think that like this year for the Bengals running backs it's just gonna be basically like fantasy Twitter just hating Marvin Lewis. And I think that what's gonna happen is, you know, Joe Mixon's gonna look great, like he's gonna be, you know, catching passes and but he's just gonna like for some reason Marvin Lewis is just gonna continue to put Jeremy Hill in the game. Jeremy Hill's gonna get the goal line carries and it's going to be like Joe Mixon'll get ten carries a game and a couple of passes, and then he'll just put Jeremy Hill back in. It'll just be like a constant just like battle between fantasy Twitter and, and Marvin Lewis being like, dude, just put Joe Mixon in the game for the whole game. like stop rotating Jeremy Hill in the game because that's the thing like you like you said, rushing and red Zone attempts, like the last three years, Jeremy Hill's averaged like ten touchdowns um because they so they give him the ball and and I'm not saying he's a great red zone runner, but he's efficient and in, in, in the way that he's been able to score touchdowns. I mean, maybe a lot of it's to do with his volume, but he gets it and Marvin Lewis has seen him score touchdowns. So I don't think that's really gonna change goal line looks because a rookie's in. He's gonna give it to an established guy, um, that's done it before. Um, and I think I've, I think after this year I think Jeremy Hill's gonna be gone. So I think obviously in the long term, like you'd said, Joe Mixon, yeah, like you wanna go with him. But like this year I think this year's going to be frustrating and not necessarily because of Joe Mixon like of his abilities on the field but because of the coaching and the way that you know they run in the offense and and what they're doing and also their offensive line isn't great which is another thing that kind of you know backs me away from this running back field just altogether.
0: yeah and you know I don't know why Marvin Lewis decided to give so many Reps in the and specifically in the red zone to to Jeremy Hill considering his efficiencies, you know, because they all, Rex Burkhead was ranked 45th in the league last year with with red zone attempts versus the top five to Jeremy Hill. So it's not like they didn't have someone. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Rex Burkhead wasn't that great. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him. Uh, so it'd be really tough to tell. But clearly, Jeremy Hill wasn't extremely efficient and it still didn't go elsewhere. So now that they have someone that does have what projects to be a lot more talent and upside in Joe Mixon, if Jeremy Hill, at least to start off, can't get the job done, how quickly did
1: they go to Joe Mixon? Yeah. So, yeah, that, I guess that's the name of the game. It's just if Jeremy Hill, you know, he'll probably start out, you know, getting the majority of the carries, but just it'd be about time like when people start to get kinda of fed up with him and whether he fumbles, whether he does stuff like that, um kind of gets him out of the starting role. Um but the one thing that also Jeremy Hill's been good at is being healthy. Um I believe he's only missed one game in his career so far in the NFL. Um which is pretty surprising actually for a running back, especially now. Um but but that being said, you know, it's it's tough because even, like, you can get Jeremy Hill, like, super late. So, like, as a guy who looks at value, you know, I definitely, like, evaluate Jeremy Hill. And as a guy that can score touchdowns going in the 12th round, I mean, like, what I like it, for example, like, we had Matt Forte going in the 11th round. Who would I rather have, Jeremy Hill or Matt Forte? If it was between the two, I would take Jeremy Hill. Um, plays on a better offense, and he's probably more likely to score. Um, not to say I'm, like, actively targeting Jeremy Hill, but, like, if I need a running back that has, you know, that touchdown upside, not like you know the explosive weeks, but like a guy, you know, kind of like to pair maybe with like a PPR back, you know, that doesn't have huge touchdown, you know, upside but has like that floor. Jeremy Hill's a guy I think that you know you can still get pretty late. That you know I, I don't is not as bad as and as is is not as useless as I think everybody really thinks. Like if you just if you look at the numbers. He he does put up some decent numbers that in terms of touchdowns because he gets the carries. So I don't. I think it's I don't love him. Like obviously like, we all watch him run and we're all not impressed by him. But like I can't like say that he's just useless.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Hill uh, ranked as number fifty-four running back in terms of fantasy points per opportunity last year, and. It, The Cincinnati running back situation is kind of like the reverse effect of the New Englands where you think the person is going to be starting. It's going in the fifth round and you can get the other people as the backups who might start, but you don't think so. Whereas Cincinnati, it's more than likely the starters are actually going in the 12th round and the potential future starter is going in the fourth round. So, I mean, I don't. I don't think anyone really loves Jeremy Hill, but I don't think anyone can argue against you in saying, you know, is there clearly value there? He's a potential starter, and potential goal line person. And again, I'm going to go back to this whole, well, shouldn't we see it really quickly? Like week one, who's on the goal line? And is he going to succeed and continue? If I get Joe Mixon, then you can easily grab Jeremy Hill in the 12th round. So that's not a bad handcuff situation, considering someone like DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry is like a two and a seven.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, that that price tag, you know, of of an elite like running back like as a, you know, as a committee, um, you know, Mixon at four, you know, that's later than basically, I mean, if you're projecting Joe Mixon as an RB one, which I can definitely see, then that's cheaper than any RB one you're going to find and then grabbing Jeremy Hill in the 12th round. Um, that's like one of the latest handcuffs. And he's a proven handcuff, like you're not drafting a rookie like he's gonna like it's not gonna be Bernard that's getting goal line carries I mean at worst you all you have is you have jeremy you have the two headed monster of hill and mixon mixon does all the running in between the twenties and then between the twenties and the end zone you put Jeremy hill in there and he scores the touchdowns
0: yeah I think that's yeah you know, that's not it's really not a bad strategy at all just make sure you get both of them they're as we just mentioned where they're going so that's not a, a terrible investment um I, I like that yeah exactly i mean yeah i
1: mean that's the thing you know you always want to think about you know the price tags and that's why we look at adp and stuff like that obviously it can change because like it just takes one person to be like if you if you want someone bad enough then they'll just go out and take them like i did a a mock um a couple days ago a live mock on a podcast and someone took dalvin cook in the second round so you know that's not and not near his adp i which is a little bit higher but you know stuff like that's going to happen and I wouldn't be surprised if someone was like I'll oh, take Joe Mixon in the second round I'll take Joe Mixon in the third round so stuff like that happens but um but yeah like I don't think anyone's going to trade up for Jeremy Hill so you can definitely you know you can definitely feel comfortable yep. getting him at a a discounted you know Walmart price Yep All right so now we will go into uh the Broncos So we have CJ Anderson um Jamal Charles Fonte Booker and D'Angelo Henderson um, who's a rookie who had a pretty you know decent outing in his preseason of um, his, his preseason debut CJ Anderson also actually looked pretty good as well I personally think that you know it's Anderson's job I'm not you know intimidated by or fear of Jamal Charles really I personally I think Jamal Charles is done I think that he's said he's had so many injuries and his knees are just not the same as they used to be. I'm not sure he's the same player he used to be. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I just think that with what has happened and the situation he's in, like, he's not playing on a high-powered offense. I mean, he's not – I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have. I, I mean, I like Anderson as, as the running back to own for the Broncos.
0: Yeah, where he's going, you know, considering right now, he's definitely um, in the lead to be the number one running back there. Jamal Charles still didn't play Week One preseason, so I'm going to consistently, you know, pay attention to these people. If they can't get on the field, then you know, just take them off your draft board. Now, you could be completely accurate. He might get cut, you know, um, but his injuries may have just, you know, really caught up to him. And uh, you know, you didn't. I don't think you mentioned they had Stephen Ridley. Did you say that? No, For, good no. For good reason. For good reason. No, I did <laughs> not. <laughs> unfortunately, I got. I unfortunately, I watched the 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 game preseason week one, and um, to much my surprise, Stephen really is still alive in the NFL. And Devontae Booker oh, wow. should be ready for week oh, one. <laughs> yeah, Devontae Booker should be ready for week one, but um, you know, we're not going to see him right. He just had surgery a couple weeks ago on his wrist, so CJ Anderson almost has very little competition here. For the running back one spot if he's healthy uh he's got other you know the offense and the quarterback situation and then Denver has other concerns but considering where he's going you know I think he definitely provides a lot of value
1: yeah for sure I was just looking at his ADP so in PPR leagues it's at 510 so end of the fifth round beginning of the sixth round so if you're getting a guy it's almost like a kind of an opposite situation to Gillisley. Milk um, Gillisley, you know, there's a lot of, you know, competition. There's a lot of running backs in the backfield that are trying to you know, get involved, whereas C.J. Anderson is kind of alone. You know, he's going to be the lone back because everyone else is kind of hurt or, you know, you're unsure what their what their roles are going to be. Um, I mean, I love C.J. Anderson at, at 5'10". Like, you can get a starting running back, you know, a solid starting running back, an RB2 in the back end of the fifth round. And that's getting, let's say you take two wide receivers and two running backs, you're getting an RB2 as your RB3. A guy with an RB2 upside, RB3 floor as your RB3. So I like him at at that value.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Cool.
1: Let's move on to the Chiefs. Um, so just basically between main two guys, I'm not count, counting Chark Hendrick West because we all know what he can do and it's nothing. Um, so Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. Um, funny thing about Kareem Hunt, I'm I was in a, I'm in a dynasty league and I drafted Spencer Ware. So my my intention was to, you know, go after Kareem Hunt and the rookie draft. Um, unfortunately though. And, and so when I was looking at my rookie picks, I, I ended up trading back because I figured, okay, like I'll trade back so I can collect more picks later on. Cause I was thinking Kareem Hunt would go, Not like right in the beginning, but a little bit farther. I was totally wrong, Um, and then you know when I was watching the draft go by, I saw like my pick that I traded away, you know, be used on Cream Hunt. Um, So I was, (laughs) I was, I was, I was, I was, I shot myself in the foot. I was disappointed. I was like, well guess i'll just uh, go back to the drawing board and uh and- that's the drawing board <laughs> <laughs> and then to reevaluate my strategy um but what are your thoughts on on hunt and where i mean i i like Ware and i think you know where last year he was doing really well um until he got his concussion like that's been kind of the thing that you know people have been talking about where he's the first week or the first half of the year he was he was like on pacing really well um but then he got a concussion and then it kind of never it kind of fell off from there um what do you think about Ware and hunt
0: Yeah, I think that Ware does present some value, very similar to CJ Anderson, and like both of them, I'm okay with drafting one of them or one of those types of players. But I'm gonna make sure that I don't fill my team up with those types of running backs that does seem to have some limited upside. However you can see a clear, especially early on, a clear path to production which is what Spencer Ware seems to have. He's going to be likely the third down back. Not that he's the greatest receiver, but I would have to imagine they feel a little bit more comfortable with him in there in pass protection. And then Kareem Hunt will just work in situationally, like long third downs maybe where it's just less important Um, or there's a blowout or maybe some early down work. I mean, like they'll sprinkle him in everywhere I guess is what I'm getting at, but uh you know when i had um i had a dynasty rookie draft really early in the season and got another one coming up but i did did my research you know watch all these running backs and Kareem hunt looked okay. He didn't stand out on film. I couldn't tell if he was bouncing around too much in the backfield because he didn't have uh, the vision or, you know, it was just part of the play call in terms of him supposed to be cutting back. Uh, seems to seems to jump around a little bit in the backfield without kind of hitting the hole a little bit quicker. That was kind of one of my slight concerns. And and again, I am no running back scout whatsoever. So but I try and pay attention to these things. You know, are they, you know, do they hit the hole quickly? Are they making people miss tackles? Um, are they holding on to the ball? And I think he looked okay, but I think it might be might turn into one of those situations where they're both going to be utilized for their strengths as soon as they get Kareem Hunt up to speed, and Spencer Ware will be a factor for probably all season.
1: Yeah, I I definitely like think that Spencer Ware is the guy to own. I mean, I that's what I'm hoping to because I don't have Cream Hunt, so I'm really hoping that Spencer Ware is the main guy. But like that's kind of how it's been with a lot of the Andy Reid running backs. They've been th- those dual threat running backs um, that have been able to you know you know run the ball in between the tackles and then also catch passes. And it is weird because Spencer Ware doesn't really have you know a build like a. Um, a running back that that has really good pass catching ability. um he's really stocky and not really like, you know, he he probably, he probably catches it more like where he kind of just like lets it hit his chest and kind of just like absorbs the, the ball when it's thrown to him. Um, but like guys like you know Brian Westbrook from back from the Eagles and and then Jamal Charles like another guy who was really effective as a pass catcher as well. I mean I I don't think that Cream Hunt's automatically just going to kind of go in and be like oh right, well he's going to catch all the passes and, and Spencer Ware you're going to be on. I don't think that works like that on Andy Reid offenses have never really been you know traditional with like a third down running back and first two down running back so i think spencer Ware is, you know he'll be the guy and then you know Kareem hunt will obviously expel him for you know rest periods but yeah i think this year yeah i think it's going to be still spencer Ware, unless something gets you know someone gets hurt um but i can guarantee it won't be charcandrick west because he's a guy that you know it seems like spencer Ware would miss a game you're like all right i'll just pick up charcandrick west i'll throw him in there and then he just does absolutely nothing and that's like the worst part about the handcuff thing it's like sometimes like and it happened last year with uh kenneth farrow like it's just like like now like when you start a running back it's like that's a backup and you place your starter you just and they suck you're just like yep
0: got farrowed it's just like got, <laughs> so farrowed. got
1: farrowed like you can't do anything about it <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you bring up a good point. I mean, it, everyone does it where we just can assume that the rookie is going to assume the starting role. And we just always have to make sure we bring ourselves back to earth a little bit and realize that there's just a lot of things for these rookies to accomplish. And we just can't start just handing out you know, the starting running back rules to every single person. Um, it's a lot harder to, to achieve that. So, Yeah, exactly. We fall in
1: love – you know, with the rookies, we see them at the combine, because it's, it's all about the rookies, and then you kind of forget about the veterans and, and the guys that have actually played in the league. And, and that's the thing. There are so many rookie running backs, and, like, let's be honest. like It's a numbers game, and chances are only one or two are probably going to be, you know, relevant three years down the line. Like, there's probably only one or two that will be in the league still. It's just how it happens. It's life in the NFL is quick, and, and most of the time, you know, there's usually one... You know, a Fournette and McCaffrey, like those guys are more likely to, you know, stay safe. But then there's usually only one guy, like, that's taken after the first round that kind of sticks around. Um, But now we'll go into. So, last two teams um, we got the Colts. So, kind of go back in with the rookie running back. So, Marlon Mack is in there, Robert Turbin, and Frank Gore, the Aegis Wonder, the Dinosaur, the Fossil, whatever you want to call him, Father Time. (laughs) Got plenty of names for Frank Gore. Um, what are your thoughts on the Colts' running game, especially also with the fact that Andrew Luck's not—it's not looking great for Luck.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark right now. If Andrew Luck is not playing all preseason, which I think they've already come out and said, I, you know. I'm not going to touch Frank Gore. I think just because I mean I think he's going in like I think all of them are drop like everyone in Indy is is dropping a little bit as they should be, but Frank Gore is going like in the middle late late seventh, and at that point with Andrew Luck out, as much as I don't even love like grabbing like a like a handcuff like Derrick Henry who's going to be really behind Demarco Murray all year without injury, I still rather have Derrick Henry and I still rather have. Eric Decker, that's going right next to him. Frank Gore's just got very minimal upside. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really kind of staying away. I think Marlon Mack presents a good long-term solution in Indy. Um, but if Frank Gore's not really ownable, I don't know how Marlon Mack becomes ownable, um, especially to start off the year. But I, I'd keep an eye on Marlon Mack. I did like him coming out of college when I watched the tape. I thought he was pretty balanced, could do a lot of a lot of different things, even including catching the ball out of the backfield and running in between tackles. So, and I'm not going to say he's going to overtake Frank Gore, just because Frank Gore is just a staple to that offense and, and great in pass protection and and really everything else. But um, I'm probably going to shade Frank Gore for now and until Andrew Luck is actually on the football field.
1: Yeah, um, Frank Gore. I mean. He, he he's consistent, and it's just it's like he's such a boring pick. But a guy like that I was looking at like specifically was Robert Turbin, um, and I was looking at him like kind of versus Marlon Mack. Like oh like because a lot of people are kind of you know oh, Marlon Mack's like the handcuff, you know Frank Gore's you know he's just going to turn into dust and like the wheels are just going to fall off. Um, but Robert Turbin could be the guy that actually takes over the role, especially a guy in the red zone. Like Robert Turbin scored a lot of the touchdowns last year, and I'm projecting him to actually score more touchdowns than Frank Gore again this year. Um, he had a really high touchdown rate, and they just really like giving him the ball in the red zone. I think that'll continue. But like you said, you know, it's worrisome with the Colts, and you can kind of do that the crutch argument where like, oh, well, if Andrew Luck's not playing, they're going to run the ball more. Oh, well, if Andrew Luck's not playing, they're going to, you know put eight guys in the box more. So like, so it is hard, but like, that's the thing. The consensus is though, if Andrew Luck doesn't play, the whole offense as a whole is going to suffer. Like, it's not like, Oh, well they'll run the ball more. Cause he's not playing. Like, that's good. It's like, no, it's, it's not really good for any of the players specifically. Um, but yeah, I think Marlon Mack's definitely another guy to keep an eye on. Like I have him, I drafted him in my uh, rookie draft, um, as my, one of the running backs I took. Cause I was interested, you know, because like you said, like Frank Gore is Frank Gore's not gonna be around around for that much longer. And I like Marlon Mack, you know, Andrew Luck healthy next year with a second year Marlon Mack, who maybe
0: shows flashes of, you know, something this year. That's someone I would roll with. Yeah, I think he's a good dynasty player. I think it's smart to get him. Frank Gore is like thirty four. I mean, <laughs> far, it's just gotta at some point it's gotta end. I mean, come on now, Frank.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, Um, and we'll get into our last team. So uh, the Texans. uh, So they have Lamar Miller slotted in there, you know, going in the third round. You know, he's a a volume back. um, That's going to be the starter. Um, But the Texans drafted Deontay Foreman um, out of Texas. So do you think that Foreman is going to eat into Lamar Miller's carries at all, or do you think Lamar Miller is going to be, you know, good
0: to go and is going to just get, get all the carries? Um. I not, was not a big fan of Dante Foreman coming out of college. So, and again, I, I could be completely wrong. But I, one thing I do feel pretty confident about is that Lamar Miller is going to get his carries. He had 268 last year without even playing the last two games of the season. So even if he goes all the way down to 220 and they spell in Dante Foreman to keep him fresh... I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that's a lot more of a realistic scenario than anything else. I don't think Lamar Miller is going to get all of the carries. Um, they would like to work in someone else. They've tried to work in like the Alfred Blues of the world in the past, and Lamar Miller was you know, probably still their, their best running back. So I think they want to make sure Lamar Miller is healthy, and I think they'll utilize Dante Foreman, but he's not going to be a factor as long as Lamar Miller is on the field. And I, I still think you should be an easy lock for definitely over 200 carries for Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I like Lamar Miller going in. I think he's going to get the volume. And I think that looking at the offense, he's going to have to have more touchdown opportunities. The offense was just so inept last year. And that's the biggest thing with him. Like his yards per carry was fine. Like he, that wasn't a problem. It was mostly just his, you know, his... Ability, he just wouldn't score any touchdowns because the offense with Brock Osweiler was just so bad. And and just like mentioning Brock Osweiler, just like his preseason game this past weekend was terrible. Like his just like I, I tweeted out or I retweeted someone's like it was him with his first pass. Oh my god, it was terrible. It's like it was just like, a, was just like a, a simple like hitch route, you know, from like on the right side like eight to ten yards, and Brock Osweiler like throws it like four yards away from the running the the uh, receiver, and it's just like. Yeah, like this is this is real. Like this is really mm-hmm. a guy that the Texans signed to like sixty million dollars, and that they had to trade away for basically be paid to trade him away for like this just Oh my god, it's just uh, it's so frustrating to like see
0: that. Yeah, and you know here's a, here's a really good stat for you here as we kind of wrap up this last team. Uh, Lamar Miller was, I believe, fifth or sixth in nfl rushing attempts last year with with missing the last two games but he was 20th in the league in red zone attempts so we love always to kind of say that regression to you know toward the norm and if he gets anywhere near the top part of the nfl in terms of rushing attempts you're gonna bet that he's gonna get a lot more red zone attempts because he doesn't have brock osweiler anymore
1: yeah he's definitely a candidate for you know that positive regression where you know, a lot of people... You know, he scored a lot of touchdowns. Like, Blunt, like, he's going to have re- regression. His touchdowns are going to go down. But a guy like Lamar Miller, you know, his volume is going to stay pretty steady. And I think that his touchdowns will go up. Um, and then, you know, kind of looking at the prices again. You know, he's going in the third round, and Foreman's going in the 13th round. So, another handcuff that you don't need to, like, pay up extremely for. Like, when when I look at the handcuffs that are super expensive, is just like a, a Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Like, that's a very hard, like... Thing to buy because they kind of like limit each other. Whereas you know Colemanavi has his own value. It's like, do you really want both of them on your team? I mean, even if, obviously if one of them goes down, they they both inc- one that one increases. But having them both on your team at the same time almost kind of caps you a little bit. Um, but yeah, so so that's kind of you know the it for our our running backs. Um, Jeff's going to get going. He's got his rookie dynasty draft, <laughs> uh, but uh, just get some words. So has it. Um, for your for your draft. So what like what is your strategy? What are you going in with?
0: Um who are you looking to target? So this is a uh a Nargo year setup. And it's on the RSO platform. So if no one's ever done that, it's it's probably the one of the coolest things, you're like a GM, you manage salary cap, you manage contracts, and there's like franchise tag. It's absolutely ridiculous. So if you if you guys are looking into dynasty type formats, this is a little bit unique of a dynasty format. But anyways, I've got picked nine overall, Andrew. And it's a it's a first year. So normally rookie drafts are like one through ten or twelve, and then one through ten or twelve, like the real life NFL, depending on where you finished last year. But since this is our first year, it's snake. So I just traded away my one point zero nine for two point zero four and three point zero four this year and next year's second. And I also threw in my fourth rounder. We have four round picks. What do you think about that? Your quick thought. And I'll give you and I'll give you my reasoning afterwards. So just so you just trade so essentially you just traded back um, and picked
1: up an extra pick for next year in the second round. In right? this year. And yeah, year. next
0: year's second and this year's second and third second for my and, third. and for my late my late fourth and late first. Oh right, okay. You're late first and late fourth.
1: I like it. I'm I always like, you know, trading back, especially if, you know, you're looking at the board, kind of seeing like who you would get at, you know, that one nine spot and it's like if you're not crazy about that player or those players in that section, then yeah, trade back and get more and that's the thing i i i get tr- i have trouble investing so much in one rookie unless i'm like 100 sure i'd rather have a bunch of like okay like semi like okay like average semi good rookies and that way if i get like a bunch of them okay ch- i only need to strike gold with one of them so the more i have like kind of in that like not like the bottom of the barrel but like you know average to below average guys like grab those guys
0: um i have a better chance of just like you know hitting the jackpot on one of them yeah, I mean, again, like you bring up a good point. You know, if you're if you're just starting in dynasties or you're going to be doing rookie drafts soon, you really want to get in the top three or five picks. Those are where like the super studs are. And then you know, ninth overall, it's a two QB league, but you know, you're looking at the John Rosses, the Evan Ingram's, the Kareem Hunt we mentioned, maybe Alvin Kamara, maybe maybe Samaje P. Ryan. I don't know where he's going these days. So you get a lot of running backs that just Talently, you know physically talently, don't blow you know the metrics out of the water and a lot especially with running backs i like to make sure that they're extremely physically talented so no one there really piquing my interest so like you said i'm going to bounce back i'm going to pick up a couple picks a little bit later i like the people like the jamal williams who's going to go later marlon mack who's going to go later chris godwin hopefully fall to me stuff like that and be some people i'll be looking at
1: Awesome. That sounds good. Yeah. I had my first rookie dynasty draft the last couple of days. Um, and I ended up going with. Um, so I drafted Njoku um, on the Browns. Because I was like. I was I was pretty set at tight end anyway for my team. But I was like, you know what? I like his upside. You know, I know tight ends don't really do much their rookie years. But I, I'm okay with that. I'm not like. I didn't draft him. Just kind of like start him this year. I like him from a talent standpoint. And I think that, you know. With the Browns, they're gonna need someone to catch the ball, um, eventually. Right. So, like, if he could, you know, kind of fit that role, especially as a tight end, you know, if there's a young quarterback starting, maybe he could be that guy. And then Brock Osweiler just throws to tight ends. So I figured, like, why not? Maybe Njoku could be the guy. Um, so I took him, and then I took everybody's favorite, you know, player since uh, like Sunday, uh, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Oh, yes, oh yeah, he's going to be on my list. <laughs> Literally, like, everyone's, like, and I was, like, shocked that he was still there because I figured, like, he was just going to be, like, his ADP was just, like, blowing up because I was like, oh, my God, like, he's the next, like, Calvin Johnson or whatever. Um, right. But, like, I-, I drafted him, though, because I was like, you know, I like, you know, I, I kind of, bu- I'm buying into the hype a little bit. I'm not, like, buying in where I'm like, yeah, he's going to, like, have, like, a Randy Moss, like, friggin. 1998 rookie season but like i think he'll be solid you know moving down i mean there's definitely opportunities in that lines offense for a receiver to emerge i don't think marvin jones has a really tight grasp on a receiver outside receiver role and and golden tate's obviously in the slot so i think that you know the outside receiver you know the x role is definitely up for grabs a little bit in detroit and you know maybe call it can kind of fit that role um and then my last one was um, Marlon Mack. um like I said, I had Robert Turbin um, as another running back, and I know Frank Gore, you know, he's not going to be around for much longer. So draft a running back, you know. I didn't, none of the rookies that I drafted, I really drafted because I didn't have a high pick. Like, like you said, I traded back. Um, none of them I'm, I'm expecting like to, to like, kind of plug and play this year. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, looking forward with them. Yeah, sounds like you made out well. Yeah, no, I was, I was pleased uh, for my first one, you know, just kind of you know, breaking it in and, I mean, people were like tagging me with different trades and stuff, and I was like, look, I don't want like, I want players. I don't, I don't, like, I'm I'm big on to just, I want players, not necessarily like more picks, because sometimes you can just kind of collect all these picks, and then it just never ever translates to anything. Like, you just have picks. Um, So that's just kind of the way I, I've kind of been doing it. So when people come out with me, like, a bunch of picks, I'm just like, nah, like, I just want players. Like, just, just no, thank you. <laughs> 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 all right. All right, guys, so thanks for listening. Uh, I will let you know Jeff's in the midst of his draft, so we'll let him get back to it. Um, But uh, as always, uh, you can follow me uh, at Andrew Erickson underscore. Um, I'll be on Cover 32. Um, Jeff, you want to say where
0: they can follow you? Yeah, follow us on uh, Twitter and other social media platforms at uh, NFL Talking Heads, and you can visit our website, NFLTalkingHeads.com.
1: All right guys uh thanks for listening and uh we hope you uh tune in to uh next week. Thanks guys.